Hi everyone, uh, welcome to ELI, the place where you get your daily dose of inspiration for entrepreneurship. And today we have with us uh, Mr. Rosen Faran, who is the founder of GoBillion, uh, which is uh, making e-commerce social for the next uh, 40 crore uh, customers in tier two cities of India. Uh, Roshan was also part of Y Combinator program last year and he's, his venture is backed by uh, people like founder of Tinder and couple of venture capital funds. Uh, hi Roshan, welcome to ELI. Hi Priya, thanks for having me. Really excited and honored to be part of this uh, podcast with you as well. Heard a lot of great things about ELI and super privileged to be part of this program today. Uh, good to hear that. Uh, I would uh, request you to introduce yourself to our audience. Absolutely. So, uh, so I'm Roshan Faran. I'm the founder and CEO of GoBillion. We are a social commerce startup, uh, uh, you know, backed by Y Combinator and top tier global VC funds in the US and of course uh, in India, Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Priya, our mission at GoBillion is to make e-commerce social and accessible uh, for the next 50 crore customers in small towns in India. Okay. And how we do that, we are, is we enable customers in small towns to socially group by together in the mm-hmm. GoBillion app, uh, especially on categories like groceries, daily essentials, fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. And if they buy together in groups on the app, they get significant discounts of up to 95%. Okay. And we are just to kind of define the problem. Like I come from a small town, I was born and brought up in Guwahati. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, my co-founder was also my very, very good friend, uh, Kulpati Bharali. Both of us come from a small town in, in Assam, in the eastern part of the country. Mm-hmm. And growing up, you see how different life is, uh, you know, growing up in small towns as opposed to, let's say, someone growing up in a Delhi or a Mumbai or a Bangalore. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the activities that we do together are very social in nature, right? In fact, I have good memories of me growing up, you know, celebrating festivals, doing, you know, playing cricket matches, doing a lot of activities together. And mm-hmm. shopping itself is a very social activity in small towns as well. Right. I'm sure, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, also have a lot of friends in small towns. They also tell you that, you know, growing a social, uh, you know, the social connection in small towns between friends, families, relatives, neighbors is very strong compared to, let's say, right. the right. larger cities where people are busy, right? Yeah. And we realize that gap, right? But, you know, we have seen, you know, growing up, you know, I used to see my mom go to the neighborhood wholesale market to buy rice or atta, or let's say, you know, she'll figure out where the best, you know, vegetables are, the best spices. And they'll go as a group, right? She'll go with a group of neighborhood aunties and try and buy together. They'll always bargain on the doorstep of the, of the vendor or the shopkeeper. And this core need that, you know, buying socially with other friends or neighbors or uh, you know, family members, you know, always getting the best price out of it is very core to small town Indians that we have seen going, especially in the lower income segments and the middle income segments, right? And that's right. The, the target group that we have, right? We're serving uh, low income segment and middle income segment. And that's how GoBillion came about. We, we realized there's a gap in giving, uh, in meeting the core needs of, of customers in small towns, giving them social experience that they enjoy in the real, real lives on the app. And also give them the best deals possible that they can get, right? And that's mm-hmm. how Gopilum came about. They can group buy on the app and get significant, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, deals and discounts on the purchases. Okay. Uh, so the problem that we are solving uh, is it? Uh, I'm just wondering, is it not solved yet uh, through the traditional e-commerce players mm-hmm. like uh, Flipkart or Amazon's of the world? Or if it has not, then where is the gap? What what different are you doing? in terms of delivery model or product? Absolutely, I think great question that Priya. So let me, let, let us go back a bit, you know, back in time and answer that historically, right? Sure. So you have to like really understand how e-commerce in India started. If you actually go back to 2008, 2009, when Flipkart started in India, 
around 2012 when Pritin went amazing came to India, which is like purely e-commerce 1.0 as you call it. So their their focus is very clear, right? So you know, serving the first 10 crore or 100 million customers of the large cities, Delhi, Bombay, Bangalore, Hyderabad, Calcutta, to an extent, and giving them you know a set of assortment uh, convenience that hey, you will get this delivered to your house and whatever incremental discount you have. But the core customer focus is very different, right? They're focusing on you know upper middle class customers. Who, which value, you know, convenience, who, who don't, don't want to go back to the, you know, retail store or the supermarket or the electronic store, who want that item home delivered and get whatever incremental discount. So the customer focus, number one, is different. And number two, the geographical focus is different. They're absolutely tier one focus, metro city focus, right? And of course, as the businesses grew, they also started expanding to tier two cities. But the, uh, the company's, you know, mission was very, you know, still, you know, kind of focused on the larger cities. So mm-hmm. what did these big companies realize that as they started expanding and they get, get started getting new customers from smaller towns, especially I think the uh, you know pivotal moment was 2016-2017 when Geo started kind of launching the telecom services and a lot of new customers started coming online. Right? They realized that hey, these customers are very different needs. Right? They are not similar to the you know customer I'm serving in a Delhi or a Gurgaon, for example. And and as I mentioned, right, this new set of customers that started coming in the next 30-40 crore customers uh, had very different needs, right? And just to kind of repeat it again, number one, they are very socially connected. The you know, societies or communities, so they value a very social experience in their shopping online, which they already do in the offline real life. Number one, mm-hmm. number two, they're extremely price conscious, extremely value conscious. Typically, these are middle class or low income customer segments. Forum price is a very important motivator. And lastly, they have an intrinsic trust deficit on the incumbent e-commerce models. They don't trust you know new models coming in easily because they have more trust in the you know Kirana store nearby. They know the shopkeeper for a very long time. They enjoy the conversation, they'll go there and buy that. So they said, hey, you know, the current e-commerce doesn't serve my core needs. It might serve the core needs of the, of the large city customer audiences, but in small towns, my needs are not just kind of properly served, right? And that's how we saw the gap. Even the people are trying to buy online in small towns that we kind of saw in our own family and friend circles, but they were, there was a lot of dissatisfaction there that I still don't get the pleasure that I get when going to an offline format store. And that's how it came about. You know, that's how we realize that this is a problem area. Let us solve for the next 50 crore customers now coming online who are already consuming content, who are already part of the you know, ecosystem. Let us tailor-made our you know, e-commerce product for this set of customers. So, that, so just to kind of summarize, of course, uh, the current e-commerce models don't really serve for the intrinsic behavior or you know, customer needs in small-town customers. And Gobelin recognizes opportunity, mostly because both of us come from small towns and a lot of the founding team members are from small towns. So at some level, we are our own customers themselves. We understand the problem very deeply. And that's how we, we started as well. Uh, and just to give a historical perspective, we commercially launched our operations in uh, early 2021 last year, 2021. And it grows exponentially since then. So if you compare our growth, let's say last Feb uh, 2021 and now as of May, over the last 15 months, we, are, we have grown almost 1,200 times in our GMV or top line gross sales. And that's the kind of growth that you've seen uh, because we are very clear on, on the customer segment, on the kind of products we're software to kind of you know, focus on and, and of course, uh, getting it to the market as soon as possible. Okay. Uh, now you have dis- uh, defined the problem statement. You have also in a way given a glimpse of how does the product and the delivery model works. Uh, tell us about the business side of it. How are you able to uh give this uh, uh the uh, best price and the social experience uh at a cheaper cost or uh you know how do you make money whatever what is your uh, catch how do you make money 
God, I think great question. So let me answer this in two parts, right? Firstly, let's talk about the product, how the product or the app is very different from all the other apps in the market. Then we'll talk about what the business model is, how we source our inventory, how do we get the best prices, and how do we give it to the last mile customers, mm-hmm. and finally, how do we make money as well? The first part is this, right? So, you know, Priya, we are very excited that we have built a global first product. Mm-hmm. We call it GoBillion Shopping Rooms. Uh, it's very similar to an Instagram or a Clubhouse which we have used, right? I'm sure a lot of our you know, generation uses Instagram or Clubhouse or to an extent yeah. Facebook. So, so, so the focus is this, right? So our product uh, optimizes for product discovery, social gamification, and social sharing, right? So the mm-hmm. same way if you go to an Instagram, right? You keep scrolling through your feed, right? And there's an element of discovery. You don't know what you know, video or, or you know reel or photo comes next. And, and that element of discovery is also what is you know very exciting about a, a social media app. So we build this in, right? So if you keep scrolling, you'll see different deals coming in, depending on how many people in your locality or city are buying that. So the most viral deals will come on the top, uh, or the most bought after deals will come on the top. Similar to, let's say, like multiple Facebook or Instagram posts, they come on the top of your feed, right? So that's kind of, you know, discovery that you're built in. A lot of gamification features that you're bringing in so that customers uh, don't just you know come to the app for shopping only. It's 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 an overall experience that we build, we build in. Shopping, of course, is the most important kind of you know uh, trajectory or customer journey. A lot of gamification features that you're building in that small town customer audiences really love. Mm. And of course, the core of the model is social sharing. Right, you you go to a deal. Let's say you want to buy a Ashiva Data five kilo pack. Right. Okay. Uh, the core journey is you have two options. You can buy alone. That's a Priya. You don't want to share with anyone. Of course, but the price will be not you know, not too discounted. Very close to the MRP. But there's an option called as buy a deal price or joint shopping deal, right? Okay. If you click that price, the you get the best price in the market in whichever city we are present in. And mm-hmm. if you keep sharing this deal with your friends and tell your friends to also come and join this, you know, transaction. Very similar to an online Ludo game. And I'm sure at some point in our lives we've played an online Ludo game. Where you create a game, share with your friends, and they join and play together. So if your friends come and join together and build a team, depending on the team size, the team size can be as low as five people, it can be as high as hundred people. Then everyone gets a significant amount of cash back or people's incentives, and the price also keeps falling down. Right. And that that way people find a very social environment. It's similar to going to a virtual mandi, right? So if you go to a virtual mandi or virtual in the market, you see different customers coming in. There are different shopkeepers. People are buying. It's like a bazaar, right? So we are recreating that virtual bazaar in a way in the Gobilian app, and people can see, hey, you know, you know, let's say Priya also bought this, you know, potatoes. Or let's say my friend Rakesh has bought this in tomatoes, or it's my friend Kulpuri was buying this packet of Atta. And that environment is very social itself. People really love the experience. And it's a global first product. Uh, of course, there are other group buying models, you know, in, in, globally speaking. There's Pin Dodo in China, which is the world's number one. There's Facili in Brazil, which is the world's number two. Similar models in Indonesia, Vietnam, other emerging economies. But we are one of the pioneers in the B2C group buying space in India. We launched in Guwahati, now we are in Calcutta and launching multiple states and cities over the next few quarters as well. So that's how the product works. And people really love the product. We're seeing industry-leading customer retention and customer frequency purchase. Right? So if you come to the app, Priya, uh, the, the, the metrics that you're seeing, like, of course, I can't disclose it publicly, but it's industry-leading. Right? In fact, if you come in, the number of times you'll buy in a month on the app, uh, the amount of retention that we're seeing over the over let's say four weeks, eight weeks, twelve weeks is, is industry leading mm-hmm. as well. And the reason is people love the product; they love sharing and they're sticky around it. Mm-hmm. So that's the first part of the product up here. Now I'll come to the second part of how the business works, right? Of how we source, how we get this best margins compared to let's say any competition in the market, be it a GeoMart or a big basket. So uh, firstly, what we realize uh, the customers we focus on, which is the lower income customers and the middle income customers, uh, have to an extent, very similar consumption patterns, right? You know, they'll have similar brands of Atta or Chawal like that. 
So we realized that we'll have a very focused assortment. We'll not be as wide as a Biomart or a Big Basket, right? We'll not have like a one like SPU or one like that. We'll have a more, you know, focused SPUs, <coughs> footprint like 2,000, 1,500 SPUs, which services or caters to almost 80% of the customer's needs in, in his or her kitchen mm-hmm. or household, right? And because we have very focused assortment around 1,500, 1,000 SPUs, we, our demand in these SQs is much deeper, it's much stronger, right? So we can source better than most of the competition. Let's say there's another competition X in the same city we're launching in, but that competition might have like 50,000 products in that app while we have 2,000 products. But because there's so much demand and virality in these 2,000 products, we generally get much better margins from the manufacturers or the super stockage we source from. On mm-hmm. average, <clears throat> Priya, the reason why we unlock better margins, we directly plan source from the manufacturer for a majority of our products. Uh, for the brands which uh, we can't source from manufacturing at this stage of scale because of previous three years, we'll source from the super distributor or the super stockist in the state. And because we try and go as up the value chain as possible, we get incremental sourcing or uh, supply chain uh, you know, margins which other vendors or other competition doesn't get. And we pass the entire benefit of discounts to the customer because you want the end customer to win. Because you're buying socially, we know you're extremely price conscious. We want to give the benefit of that extra margin to the last mile customer. <laughs> Okay. That that's the second part. We have an inventory holding model, which means we stock our own inventory in our own warehouses. So in Calcutta, in Guwahati, whichever markets we're operating, mm-hmm. we'll have warehouses. We'll source from the manufacturer or the producer or the first farmer or the distributor, stock it, and as in as the customer orders, we dispatch it to his or her house uh, 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 on the last mile. So typically, if you buy on the GoBillion app today in Calcutta or Guwahati, whichever market mm-hmm. you're operating, uh, you will get your uh, product delivered tomorrow to your house. Okay. And lastly, uh, Priya, how we make money, which I think every investor is also interested about on how, do you, how this money, you know, business takes money. So I think what happens is this is a game of scale as well, right? As in when we are aggregating more customers on a city or a zip code, we drive down the CAC, the customer acquisition cost. Right? Right. Typically, if you benchmark us against legacy e-commerce players, uh, our CAC over time is almost you know, 30-40% of what another competition is spent. The reason is very simple because users, users like you and me, Priya, are sharing with our friends and bringing our friends also on the app, right? Which means uh, the new customers that are coming in, which is in your friend's friend circle or my friend circle, uh, the company is not paying any acquisition cost for that, right? So over time, the CAC falls down substantially, the customer acquisition cost. Okay. While for other companies, the companies kind of serving in big cities, that CAC keeps on growing up or it's almost stable, right? It never comes down beyond the point. And, and secondly, the last mile or the, or the logistics part. Because we aggregate a lot of orders, on the last mile, because you know, those are sharing with the neighbors and all that, my last mile delivery cost is also on average, you know, much, you know, optimized, much better than my competition is there. So for right. example, uh, let's say we, we start targeting a Mohalla and try and drive demand in the Mohalla or a pin code or a locality, mm-hmm. users will be sharing amongst the locality or the neighbors as well, right? So, yeah. so we can send a tempo or a vehicle there as compared to our you know, two-wheeler, right? You'll see a lot of quick commerce companies, they'll send you a two-wheeler on a, on a, on a delivery on a, on a, you know, bike or a scooter. That is very expensive. Right? Yeah. Giving one delivery on a scooty to a specific household is much more expensive than sending, let's say, 50 deliveries on a tempo and going to a specific, you know, pin code or you know, uh, uh, last mile spot. That is where we save money on the loyalty as well. As this business keeps growing and we start aggregating more customers by social sharing, and my customer cost goes down, mm-hmm. and we deliver more products on a zip code and we drive more last mile, so that my loyalty cost comes down as well. And finally, of course, because we're sourcing better, we at, at the end scale or the end scale, we source everything from manufacturers and we grow bigger. So at that three levels, we make money, right? That is over, over time, that's how we build a sustainable business by bringing better sourcing margins, driving the customer cost down, 
acquisition cost down and of course driving the logistics cost down so net net that's how group buying works much better than any other e-commerce player in the market over time okay awesome i think that is a, a interesting model and uh, one thing uh, i noticed was you move from one city to another uh, unlike the large e-commerce players uh, who kind of uh, give one size fits all uh, approach and approach the whole market uh, simultaneously like amazon or flipkarts of the world so oh. so can you tell us uh, what is what is the benefit of such a approach where you first completely acquire a smaller market and then move on and use that virality effect versus uh, broadcast to a larger market for example india <clears throat> God, I think great question. So you see, there's no like one size fits all approach, right? Of course, we really respect the kind of growth Amazon of Flipkart has done, right? and they're literally like the pioneers of e-commerce, right? Both globally or in India specifically, as well. So I think that depends on the you know the the, the ecosystem, right? So when Flipkart Amazon launched, if you remember, Flipkart launched with books, right? Then they started getting into let's say electronics or fashion or the matter. So they realized that these are categories. Which they can start serving across the country, and people will have similar needs in terms of electronics or fashion. Beyond the point, <clears throat> and of course, then they start you know quickly scaling up as well. So at that point of time, you know, 2010, 2013, within that period, the companies realized that we we can we have to scale quickly, and we have to change the customer behavior. Right back in 2010, people are still buying from mom and pop stores, still buying from Pirana stores, still buying from a lesser big bazaar, or going to a fashion retail store. So the problem that Flipkart and Amazon were solving was not that they were trying to compete with other e-commerce players. They're competing, competing against other retail stores or Kirana stores, right? And that's why they said, "Hey, we'll go quickly and scale up quickly. We have to change the customer behavior because my customer is still buying from a retail store. Let us now encourage the customer to kind of buy from Flipkart or Amazon or other, you know, e-commerce players, so that they get used to this new way of buying." That's why they launched categories which are very generic, like electronics, fashion. Uh, to an extent, let's say beauty and cosmetics as well. Uh, but again, of course, as as they started growing, they also realized this one size fits all policy doesn't work, especially for the new customers which I mentioned coming in. Right? They have very different needs, and that's why you'll also see now the largest companies also now are started getting into social commerce. Right? You know, Beat Flipkart, they've launched Flipkart, Shipsy, Amazon started to get into live commerce. They've acquired a couple of social commerce companies also. They also realized that to get this new set of customers for small towns, they have to reinvent themselves. They have to do some new. You know, uh, you know, e-commerce plays as well, which is also happening right now, as we speak. So, uh, we compared against uh, likes of Amazon and Flipkart, but there are uh, new players like Misho, uh, which is uh, kind of bringing in the same elements of uh, local focus, uh, social uh, element, and uh, bulk buying. Everything that you are also doing, and they're also quite big uh, right now. So. Uh, in a way they have also proved the model uh, that you are experimenting how do how do you i mean what, what do you say to that how do you see the uh, what is your differentiator uh, from miso kind of players and uh, how do you plan to battle absolutely thanks for the question so miso of course is a yc company we really admire the company right it has done phenomenally well especially starting in you know 2015 2016 But fundamentally, Priya, the business models are very different, right? So, social commerce is largely three business models. One is the reseller model or the influencer model, which Misho operates in. So, Misho traditionally used to have a lot of resellers uh, or influencers in small towns, and that person will go and try and cross sell 
uh, to other people in the neighborhood. It's like an insurance agent, like right? if you're seeing growing up, you have insurance agents or you know family uh, sales people. They'll go to different households in the in the social community and kind of process. And we show that's very similar model. That's a reseller model. If other companies are sitting all also does the same model as that. Mm. Second is you know live commerce or video commerce. We have seen Bulbul, we have seen Simpson. Uh, which have influences on the app and they'll do some live streaming or, or recorded streaming of products they're trying to advertise and you can buy from the same app. That's video commerce or live commerce. Mm-hmm. The third category of social commerce where we are the pioneers in is D2C group buying, which means customers and customers like when we right? We're buying for our own households. I want to share deals with each other or even the people who don't know each other uh, directly and buy that directly. There is no middleman, there is no agent or reseller in the middle. It's a purely D2C mm-hmm. uh, you know, transaction of users like you and me who are buying for their own households are buying. Now, how we see this model evolve, of course, especially if you look at small town, the market is massive. If you only mm-hmm. focus on the category of surfing, which is grocery daily sense, it's a big market. Right? Just right. significant amount of room uh, for different players in competition to exist and coexist as well. Uh, and of course, people, uh, and over time, of course, I see a lot of, you know, uh, uh, you know, consolidation also happening on the economy as well. But right now, it's a big market. Competition will exist, but everyone has their own take of how they want to be the market as well and of course we respect that while also the same that we, we are also very bullish and excited about what we are building as well because we've seen this model really succeed in other emerging economies similar to india as well and we are kind of one of the first movers in this in this piece so we are also very bullish on how how fast we're growing as well and and, and taking this to the next level okay uh can you tell us about some uh hacks some growth hacks that you have uh, deployed for acquiring the users one you mentioned like the uh, referrals uh, through which you have very uh, small low customer acquisition cost and i think that uh, that has worked really well for you uh, apart from that any other hacks that you applied to acquire users so i think i, I, I can recollect a couple of them now this is top of my mind i think first was uh, you know a lot of btl or on the ground marketing right so we targeted a lot of because we are very clear who my customer is right we are very clear that the customer is someone who was a lower income customer segment or a middle income customer segment. Mm-hmm. So we did a lot of on-the-ground marketing initiatives on mohallas, uh, specific localities, apartment complexes, where we knew our customers stayed. Right? So we'll have this, uh, we used to call them hotspots. So we'll go to a specific mohalla, we'll go to a specific you know, housing society, put a hotspot there, there'll be some couple of you know, promoters or co-billion you know, uh, marketing guys. We will do some engagement activities, get the crowd excited, make them experience the co-billion app. You'll see, hey, you know, we can share and get a much set of discounts as well. So the on-the-ground marketing initiatives has been a strong, strong, you know, growth hack for us. We have done a significant amount of that. In fact, we have this in- interesting concept known as Govillian Mohalla Dukan as well. What we do is we take a tempo, we load it with some, you know, items like potatoes, tomatoes, onions, atta, chawal, very, very small items. And we go to a specific Mohalla, right? And we take our, you know, you know marketing team and all the guys go there. And the crowd comes in, right? We get the crowd in. And they say, what is happening? We say, you know, if you're getting this item at the best price possible, you know, potatoes are 10 rupees, onions at 20 rupees, we'll get really excited. And we tell them the only thing way you get this is, of course, download the Gopalian app and, uh, and get and share this with someone that you know, right? your own family or neighbors. And people do that and they get the item on the spot, they get really excited and we try to a lot of customer acquisition that way as well. And then thirdly, I think is, uh, and finally is the uh, products that you selected. Right? You've, we are very clear on what my customer consumes, what kind of products they want, what kind of products they're very price conscious about, and what kind of products they are liable to share with other people as well. So the assortment that have built out is very, very curated, very focused, mm-hmm. good mix of regional brands and national brands as well. And people just love the assortment and the price point as well. That's how I think we have a lot of demand as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 
one more question around yeah. product when you uh, build a e-commerce product one key challenge is uh, how do you make the customer open that app again even Flip, uh, flipkart and amazon uh, struggle with it uh, but uh, some companies like facebook uh, or instagram they have cracked it okay. really well sticking the user making sure that they every morning when they wake up they open that app so can you tell us is there is there some strategies or some you know tricks techniques uh, that you are uh, deploying at your end uh, to make sure that every morning when customer wakes up they'll open your app and probably order a onion uh, one kg onion and one kg atta <laughs> I think, I think that, that's a great assessment. Of course, uh, the, the the dream for every e-commerce player to be ha having, you know, <clears throat> as, you know, uh, active users that a Facebook or Instagram has, right? So their retention or their DAUs, MUs, as you call it, like daily active users or monthly active users, like, it's like super high, right? Mm -hmm. WhatsApp, for example, will be like leading the pack. WhatsApp has like very, very super active, you know, daily active users or monthly active users. And that's probably like the top of the funnel, right? But I think how we look at e-commerce and I think where we also see the model going, of course, e-commerce, uh, because people transact on only specific occasions, if it's grocery, they'll transact, you know, maybe once a week or let's say twice a month, for example. Mm -hmm. Or if it's only electronics, maybe people buy an electronics item every three months, every six months, right? So Amazon, Flipkart or the larger e-commerce has this problem that, hey, how do we get people to come back again and again on the app? And not necessarily only for buying, right? We just want people to come and browse and at some level get take an impulsive decision. Hey, you know, I've seen this product like a new phone. Let me buy this product. Or maybe I've seen this new very nice coffee mug. Let me buy this product. So, and we've done this, right? What I think at some level, how social commerce or group buying works is uh, the reason. So I'll tell you how, why customers come to the app for GoPillion. Of course, we're still growing early days. We have a lot to achieve, a long road to go. But we've seen very early behavior on customers why they keep on coming back. And when we go and talk to them and ask them, why do you open the GoBillion app whenever you open it, right? Mm. First, I think uh, I think we send a lot of push notifications, right? Internal notifications that whenever there's a new deal coming in, let's say there's a 6 p.m. hot deal, let's mm. say there's a 12 p.m. You know, crazy deal that you're sending out. So the app will send a notification on the customer's app, which I think everyone does. Swiggy does that, right. does yeah. that right? Uh, I, and people are, we've seen, are clicking that, you know, deals as well. And more so because they can also see the friends also buying. I'll do the extra element why this succeed, right? So let's say Priya, I send you a notification on the Google app. You'll get like tons of notification, right? You know, Zoom yeah. is sending that, Swiggy is sending that. So I'll, I kind of just kind of remove this notification, right? Huh. The reason why you're liable to open is because you'll also see the, you know, Priya, 10 of your friends are also buying this item, right? Or maybe 10 of your yeah. neighbors are also buying this item. Yeah. Extra social element that comes in gets you very excited. Who are the 10 friends buying, you know, whom I might know? Who are the 10 neighbors that are buying from my, you know, locality or Mohalla, whom I might know? That's why people open the app. Uh, yeah. That you have seen, number one. And number two, also, as I mentioned, right, users are sharing as well. Let's say, you know, I installed the app and I've not used it for the last two weeks. Mm. Uh, now, more often than not, some, you know, neighbor or some friend of mine might share a deal with me on WhatsApp. And I'll see the WhatsApp, you know, hey, we are share this deal with you. Let me see what deal shall right? right? WhatsApp is me, GoBillion me. So I'll click that app and that's how you've seen a lot of users also come back who might have stopped uh, using the GoBillion app over dominant. Because mm. their friends are sharing or they're getting post notifications saying that, you're, you know, X number of friends are buying this item. Or why number of you know neighbors are also buying it. That's how that social element is adding a lot of value for you know retaining customers on the app. And the way we see this problem, this is the last thought. We don't want customers to only come and buy, right? That's the problem that normally e-commerce faces because they're only telling them buy, buy, buy. Mm -hmm. We want the customer to come and experience the app. Of course, you're free to buy, that's the main journey, but there's a lot of social features, a lot of games, a lot of game features that are built in. So users come to the app just to experience the app also. And at some element, they get motivated, hey, let me buy this item as well while I'm using the app. Or playing a game within the app as well. That's how I think that that is happening. Okay. Uh, 
now moving towards the personal side of uh, being an entrepreneur can you tell us what made you to be an entrepreneur or what triggered the entrepreneurial uh, thing in you i think i, I think it, it's a, it's a, you know something that was very personal let me share you know what what happened yeah. you know in my personal journey so i come from middle class family like in guwahati uh, you know uh, no one in my family like no one in my family has ever done business or started a company at all like so typically uh, they were all you know government jobs or so mm-hmm. these jobs right uh, so the firstly i think i, I had to kind of overcome a lot of uh, family friction or family opposition because they were just kind of you know uh, nervous or probably apprehensive that hey if i take this jump uh will will i succeed or not and just to give a personal perspective right i have probably not covered that as well i did a, I, i have a btech in computer science engineering from nit uh i did an mba from iim mm-hmm. and i was working in management consulting for 5 years deloitte okay. us ey and accenture so i was doing you know pretty well in terms of a corporate career mm-hmm. right so deloitte yeah. ey accenture previously iim as well iim and ba so my parents are appreciative hey you guys you already doing a good corporate job why are you leaving that you know Good job with a fat paycheck and job mm-hmm. insurance, right? But there is no guarantee of success. So the first yes. challenge I faced was how do I convince my parents or mostly my extended family that whatever decision I'm taking is is part of the right one. That that's the first level I think everyone faces. I think in India, yeah. whenever you say that you want to be a startup founder or entrepreneur, you get a significant <laughs> amount of family opposition. Unless your family already is in the in business, right? So let's right. say a lot right. of my friends who started their own companies had families who were very supportive because they were in business themselves, right? So mm-hmm. that that ecosystem is very mature, and mature in the family itself. But a lot of my 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 personal friends and even my co-founder could be we face the same problem, right? No one has done business in the family at all, and we have to kind of encounter that challenge. But you know, Priya, just to kind of be very honest with you, and why I wanted to really start up, I think that goes back to my engineering days, right? I think even though I was starting computer science, I realized I'll never be the best coder in the world, right? You know, I I used to be like pretty average in coding. I was, I was good in computer science fundamentals. I was good okay. in algorithms, OS, and all that. But coding really kind of didn't excite me at all. So I realized at some level I'll end up going in management and also during college itself I was leading a lot of student organizations. I was leading the student government body for computer science department in college. I started this new initiative known as ISEC in NIT Selchar. ISEC is the world's largest student organization. Started the first chapter in Northeast India. I also kind of uh, you know uh, launched and kind of piloted a, a, a government initiative with Microsoft India. So what Microsoft did and I was a Microsoft student partner for Northeast India at the point time around 2011. Uh, 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 Microsoft entered into agreement with Government of Assam to train around six thousand common school teachers uh, in small in small villages with IT skills and giving them IT tools and assets. Mm. That was something I drove with the Government of Assam, you know, and Microsoft. So what I realized was I start I loved leading you know initiatives and leading and getting a team around it and of course chasing some you know goal or mission. Right, and that started coming down to come coming uh, to especially third year of undergrad. Uh, in a fourth year college now when i and i had a job offer i, I joined accenture and tech consulting in pune so i think i had, and fortunately i had a lot of mentors you know who guided me a lot right some mentors who were you know very prominent entrepreneurs themselves a lot of my college alumni were very successful and just you know senior friends of mine who were very extremely helpful and you know forthcoming and who helped me you know make. so i i realized that, hey you know i have to do an mba so that i get into management and and then over time you know uh, uh, Get something of mine, but I was still very unclear. Right, it's like 2014. I'm talking about uh, when I entered in IIM. So I was very confused. Do I start a company just out of IIM? Do I work for some time? Do I get some exposure? So IIM did pretty well. I, I think I was I was an IIM long two years there. You know, fabulous place, great you know students, great you know faculty. So in 2016 was another pivotal moment for me. Right, so I had a couple of job offers from EY, a couple other companies, and I also wanted to kind of start up directly from campus. Right. 
<clears throat> so I remember one of my mentors and, and you know, well wishes at the point of time told me that, hey, Roshan, why don't you join a consulting job? Right? Get some real world exposure to business. Right? Because till then, you're not got significant exposure. So join consulting, get as much business exposure as possible. And at some point in the future, after three, four years, come back and start your company. People will also respect you for the knowledge you have. And you'll also see on the ground how business operates. And I took that you know, advice to heart. Right? I said, okay, you know, I'll join you know, Levi at the point of time. It's the same Gurgaon. Got into management consulting. <clears throat> Fortunately, had a great team, great set of colleagues, and you know, and I really kind of immersed myself into consulting. I learned a lot about business, cross commerce, retail, fintech, financial services, and I then and I realized that hey, you know, after a certain amount of time, and I also had some student loan as well. So because of my MBA mm. I had to pay back a loan <laughs> to the bank. So I realized I had to save some money as well before I jump ship. Uh, so, so I had a planning. What I said, you know, after after three four years, I'll probably jump ship. So I think the pivotal moment, I think the third pivotal moment in my life came around December 2019. At that point of time, thankfully, my student loans were met. I had mm. worked for roughly almost three and a half, four years in consulting across Deloitte, US, UI, got significant exposure to e-commerce as well. And at that point of time, fortunately, I got awarded this Economic Times Young Leader for India in 2019. Okay. And, 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 and that's like a Forbes 30th but for corporate uh, you know, leaders, right? <laughs> And and that's when I realized that you know uh, probably this is the high point of my corporate life. Let us let me leave corporate at a high point rather than a low point. That's when I kind of put in my papers. And Jan 2020, you know, just before the pandemic, I was you know kind of out of a corporate job and I wanted to kind of start up. I had a couple mm-hmm. of ideas uh, that I was discussing with Kulpadeep, my you know uh, close friend. Kulpadeep and I were batchmates in NIT, right? We were the same hostel. Our rooms are next to each other. We're very, very close friends for the last 15 years. Okay. Uh, so I said, hey, you know, I'm out of corporate. And we had a couple of, you know, problems that we're kind of trying to solve for. But our focus was very clear. We said, you know, we will always solve for small town India, whatever problem we solve, right? Mm-hmm. And the problem of e-commerce or commerce in general for small town really excited us because we are starting to see the challenge, especially during the pandemic itself, right? When the pandemic came and everything shut down, uh, I saw my own friends and family struggle with e-commerce. Uh, apps and all that because they're not used to buying e-commerce, right? They're only buying groceries from a banana store next door. That's when we saw the opportunity. That's a Google was launched. We raised the company in 2020, May 2020. Uh, got a you know initial team together, a set of interns, some guys. We built an app out. Uh, we had no money, so it was just my saving and Kulpati's saving. We just got some you know a little bit of money together, got the first version of the app out, and uh, uh, then commercially started the operations from uh, Feb 2021. Now, thankfully. Uh, just in a couple of months, we got into Y Combinator. Uh, we got into Y Y Combinator in April 2021, uh, and part of the rest is SPI. I think it's grown substantially uh, since then. But of course, uh, it was it, it was a, a lot of struggle as well. People might just see ten of these successes, limited success we're doing right now. But that phase between you know maybe the entire 2020 and let's say almost half of 2021, when we are very unsure that you know, we have just put in our life savings, I put my full-time corporate job, uh, uh, and we don't know where it's going. Um, it's a lot of struggle, but what I think what kept on guiding us, me and Kulpreet on the team, was that we knew this was a big problem to be solved. We knew we had it in us to solve this with the right team at scale, and we are very clear on that. So that that way, I think we kept on sustaining. Right, you know, even though we are getting some you know early failures there, we are very sure that we are in it for the long haul. We are better lives on it. There is no plan B, and this is something that a lot of my people you know they just tell me right, Roshan, if this doesn't succeed, what is your plan B? I said, there's no plan B. My plan B is to make sure the plan A succeeds, right? There is no plan B. Okay, I'll go back to a corporate job. I'll start another side business. I'll do something <laughs> on the side, right? Yeah, focus on it. I have to do it and I'll do everything possible to make it succeed, right? So the moment you have a backup plan, I'll go back to some other plan B or let me do a corporate job on the side and try and build a startup on the side. That doesn't work. 
I was very clear. And I tried that also, by the way. I did not quit my job for some time, right? I quit Deloitte in 2019. I thought maybe I'll continue the corporate job and do a startup on the side. That doesn't work. Either you are all in full time or might as well not be there full time as well. I think that's how I think, uh, each person's journey was. So I have just one more question left. Uh, I wish I had more time and uh, there were some questions around scale and all. Uh, but uh, let's limit it to just one more question what is the meaning of entrepreneurship for you how would you define the term entrepreneur who is an entrepreneur as per you i have tough question <laughs> let me let me make an attempt right? so i think entrepreneur is someone i think uh, uh, on two three levels right someone who takes a problem that is you know happening in the society or the business world on all or on the personal lives and tries to solve for it right? in a very innovative way, number one. Number two, an entrepreneur is someone who might not have all the resources that he or she requires at the point of time. So you have to kind of do some regard, do some, you know, uh, you know, find out some innovative ways to make the business plan work. But initially, when you start, you not have enough money, you not have people to back you up, you not have the resources. But I think where your entrepreneurial skill set is put to test is when you have nothing and you just have one or two guys working with you, how do you make this happen at almost zero resources, zero skills, almost you know, zero things working in your favor? And finally, when you taste some early success, I think a true test of an entrepreneur's character is how do you keep on building with the same momentum, same passion, same energy that you had when you started up. I've seen a lot of entrepreneurs when they taste some early success, they sometimes get complacent, sometimes get you know, uh, uh, distracted, maybe get the success on the head. You yeah. have to keep building with the same uh, you know, passion, same humility, same I think, energy as well. I think humility is very important. At the end, if you look back in your entrepreneurial journey, whatever success you've had, I think what really matters is how have you touched people's lives in a positive way? Did the people working with your colleagues or only team members did they love or enjoy working with you? And and have you stayed humble and, and, and I think grounded over the entire journey? I think that's an entrepreneur, right? As I mentioned, uh, almost zero resources to start off, get a team around, keep building the same passion and always stay grounded yeah. for the long term. Uh, nicely explained. And, and, uh, and, and Priya, just one side note, right? Uh, yeah. And one, one, one small thing I want to add as well, because I come from Assam, right? You see all the entrepreneurs, mostly will be starting a company from a, let's say, a Delhi or a Bangalore or a Bombay, right? You'll mm. barely see any entrepreneurs, whatever historical reasons, from the Northeast part of the country. And more so, a YC company starting its operation of Guwahati in Northeast, right? So we had our own set of challenges there as well. We said, hey, even though we are registered the company in New Delhi, and now, of course, the company's headquarters is in San Francisco, and of course, the India head office is in New Delhi. But we said we'll start from an underserved city like Guwahati, where no one really starts a business, right? Well, it's much more challenging to start an e-commerce company compared to a Bangalore because the ecosystem is still developing. Yeah, uh, and that is also something that we we also are very you know cognizant about, or at some level, we also feel proud about that we built a world-class company from Guwahati and now scaling across the country as well. I think, and also I think I also. And, and there's so much of entrepreneurial talent in Northeast India. People are so much talented. There's so much of rich human capital. I think what they sometimes lack is the ecosystem to support them or the angel investments to support them or just the ecosystem. And I, I, but I foresee a lot more entrepreneurs coming from small towns in India, be it Northeast, be it Central India, be it North India. But I think that now the generation has come where you'll see significant world-class entrepreneurs coming from tier two, tier three cities in India and building world-class companies. That's what really excites me as well. Yeah, I think that is a good thing you did uh, starting from Guwahati because if you are building for tier two cities, it's the best idea to start from tier two cities. And uh, if something is uh, tried and tested uh, in 
in a market like guwahati it is for sure going to work across uh, different markets uh, well on this note uh, um, i think we will uh, end the uh, we will end the discussion thanks for your time roshan and our uh, best wishes for the region thank you so much it was my honor privilege to come and you know exchange my stories with you priya and and all the best uh, for your ali as well super excited for you thank you roshan